When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, y'all? GazerBeam 2K back here with my main man, Steuben. Today on a special mini episode of the Gust to Win. Um, we got our hands on a on an absolute icon right now, a legend. We have Connor Lavelle in the in the in the building right now. Connor, what's going on, man? Yeah, it's going, going great. How about you guys? Doing all right. Steuben, it's an early morning podcast because everyone's getting ready for NAIC. It's uh but two days before. I'm up at 6 a.m. West Coast time. West Coast is the best coast, though. But um I have to be at work in two hours. Steuben, how are you holding up this morning? I am drinking an energy drink and water and trying to wake up. Are you going to live? Uh, against my will. <laughs> but no, this is a mini episode. Um, normally we go through the whole stonks. We go through the whole six prize turn and all that good stuff. We have itinerary. But right now, I just want to, Connor, um, I put out a stress call uh, this past Monday looking for help message back and after i realized who you were i'm like yo that's the guy right there that's him that's the icon that's the guy who had like 18 energy on one blissey that's the yeah, guy that I... uh played a tornado <laughs> and just ruined azul's whole day yeah i was on my way so, like, home and uh we had we had the stream up in the car in the in the back of the car and had the, the bluetooth and i was like oh my god look at all these energies and then like they kept talking about like the pocket tornadoes the pocket tornadoes and when it happened i was just like oh my god it's like, it's like throwing some sand in your face, a pocket sand, just, man. <laughs> yeah, no, Connor, appreciate to, uh... you uh, giving us the time, man. I know it's early for you, too. Um, you're, you're chilling, waiting to go uh, head over to NIC, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, so I'm in Chicago right now, just uh, on a nice vacation between Milwaukee and NAIC. Um, just hanging out, trying good food, and uh, that's pretty much been my last couple days. All right, well, congrats on, uh, on second place. Um, I know you wanted to win it all. You get that close to it, you're like, okay, I'm going to take it. And I, I can only imagine how you felt, man. But let's just get right down to it. I'm sure Steven and I have a few questions. Uh, we might have some questions from the audience over here live on uh, Twitch. But, um, I'll open up with a couple questions. Get that, I just, just basically what I was talking about, to get that close, you know, to the finals. And then to, to just come, come runner up. How's that experience, man? How do you feel about all that? I mean, looking back on it now, I'm sure you're happy because you know you made it that far, but you get that far, you want to win it all, don't you? How's that experience? Yeah, I mean, of course, like it's, uh, at least for me, it, it was, you know, oh, I have the potential to win, but uh, I was I was pretty much over the moon as soon as I hit top eight at this one. Really? Um, I, I was just really happy. Um, I, uh, I had been, this is the third regional I've been to this season, and I was really hoping to come back with a bang, and my first two didn't go so well, so um for uh, for me to be able to come into this one and do so well was was really nice i spent a ton of time with the deck i really enjoyed it um so to be able to do so well with the deck that i had spent so much time with uh, was was a really great experience so yeah as soon as i hit top eight i'm like every win after this is gravy like if i if i win the event fantastic uh, of course i you know i didn't <laughs> didn't like start throwing games or anything like that but uh uh but yeah in the in the finals um so i i am experienced at uh, almost winning regionals. I have uh, gotten second at two of them now and top four at two more. So uh, the the experience of losing in the finals, I guess, wasn't quite as uh, harsh as it might have been uh, if I hadn't done that already. How long have you been playing for overall? Uh, so my first competitive season was 2010. Um, I would say I wasn't very good until 2012 or so. Okay. You say you took a uh, second place in another regional and a uh, top four in another one. Uh, what years were those? Do you remember off top of head yeah. or what? Yeah, so it was. Um, I got second place at Kansas City Regionals in 2014. Uh, I got um, top four at Collinsville Regionals in 2016 and at St. Louis Regionals in 2012. Um, and then I, I'm also very skilled at losing win-and-ins at large events. Uh, oh, that I was me this lost, weekend. Uh, oh, Stephen. <laughs> have lost uh, win-and-in to top eight at at least one regional and two internets. So <laughs> I'm very good at it. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I lost my winning in the day two, and I'm still I'm still kind of sad. So you made the the incorrect choice of playing Dark Ride for some. No, reason. no, it was not incorrect. It was not incorrect <laughs> at all. I lost because I threw one away with a blind research. I had to. I enjoy, I enjoy some Dark Ride. I think it's a fun deck. Yeah, I think it's super solid. I, I might play it again this coming week just because I played it all weekend and I don't have time for much playtesting other than that. Can I interest you guys in a turn of this? No. I was looking at that uh, before before Milwaukee. Um, I actually thought it could be actually thought it could be really good, but the Palkia matchup is just so sketchy. I just can't. I yeah. could not. Uh, the the way that my <clears throat> testing group found to potentially and you know this this might be a leak, but nobody is actually going to play it, so whatever. Um, <laughs> the way that my testing group found to potentially make the Palkia matchup playable was to run like two plus Cheryl and path to the peak so that you could you could go wide and then you could bring your own bench down you need to um, and then heal it off I, I don't think anybody actually ended up testing it though because that's pretty we, clever we did not have did not have faith in it what i did uh i've just been trying to align with it but what, what i would do in that matchup is uh, i don't fully bench and i go with a uh i run a um um hasuian samurai so there's a bonus damage yeah, yeah, yeah. right there one shot of palkia they hit me since I don't fully bench. They can't one shot me, and then I fully bench after that. Take them down, and if they take me out, fine. But now it's four prizes to three. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't see that being a really good strategy. Actually, we did not have same rod in the stupid. build. I think we were you hear that stupid. Like, yeah, see, I'm smart. <laughs> I think we were playing uh, Dark Ray V Star to use the, the V Star power. If we were playing a V Star at all, it's been a little while now. But, um, I I do like the same rod V Star power. It, it might be enough to take the deck up and and carry. Mm -hmm. Because I know mm -hmm. that the Arceus matchup feels pretty good. Uh, having yes. bet on the Arceus side, um, <laughs> definitely not my favorite matchup to play. The um, uh, the Blissey matchup, because now you actually have to think about that, right? The, uh, the Blissey matchup seems a little weird. I haven't ever hit that one from the Blissey side, so I can't say that I know exactly how I'd play it, but um, a couple of mill tanks seem like they could be a little rough. Um, but okay, I think, you're right I think about Miltank. <laughs> yeah, it seems seems like it has a lot of potential as a deck. Yeah, you're right about Miltank. But speaking of the Blissey matchup, um, you you're making Blissey a thing now. I've seen it all over the ladder now. Um, I see a lot more Miltanks popping popping up too. But I mean, your your deck they even focus heavily on Miltank. You only have one Miltank in your deck. What's the choice about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I I always liked to say to people. I think I said this on stream too. Um, at the end of the day, it's not a mill tank deck. It's a it's a Blissey deck. Like the mm -hmm. the card that you've centered your strategy around is Blissey. The card that you're going to use in almost all situations is Blissey. Um, you you lead pretty much every single game with it because anytime your strategy ends up being to go back into mill tank and just tank up, your opponent still has to take six prizes to win the game. So why not make them do it? Um, why not give yourself better opportunities to make aggressive plays and take wins off of growing down, getting a huge blissey before your opponent can really respond to it. Why why limit yourself in that way um, when you're ultimately just going to go back into that mill tank in those matchups where the mill tank is the correct play um, and kind of only give yourself two prizes worth of room instead of six. Yeah, that um, makes a lot of but, sense. Because like if they take out, yeah. uh, you know, two single prizes, that's one less blissey they have to go through to win the game. True. So, Very good point. Very good point. I get it now. Yeah, and I was looking at the list at first. I was like, only one mill tank. See, I at least have two. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. I um, I like the one mill tank just because most decks that struggle to deal with it will struggle to deal with one. Uh, but they, the the difference between one and two is not very big, and every single space that you can get in the deck is a really huge um potential card that you can put in. You know, it, it could be another Chance Care, another Draw Supporter, a 16th Energy. All of these cards seem kind of small, but uh, they can have a big effect on your game. I can dig it. I can dig it. And then, uh, what, Subin, I know. what made you want to put the Tornadus in? Was it just because of the expected metagame of the Flying Pikachu? Uh, no, no, so... I, want, I, want Gunner, hold on, Gunner, I want you to answer that. But Subin, I know it's early for you. Um, for our viewers watching on Twitch and be watching this on YouTube, anyway, you can pull up his deck list on a, off of Twitter. 
I have. No, I'm, I'm asking I, for a I lot. Have, this early. I have it in front of me. Uh, that's that's okay. a, that's as much as. Then we you can get. show it to everyone. And I'm asking for a lot this early. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll buy you a, a Mountain Dew. It's on. It's on Limitless now too. If it's easier for the stream okay. to see the like the written. Uh, yeah, I have I have the link. I'll just drop it in the chat for everybody for the for the live stream. Perfect, perfect, perfect. There we go. But yeah, Connor. Um. Yeah, that turn of this like a that that Eternatus. I mean, I'm sorry, Eternatus. That turn. See, look, I'll turn this on my mind now. That's all I can think about now. But no, that Tornadus, like Superman was asking, uh, describe that to us, man. Explain that to us. Yeah, so um, I I can't take credit for it. Um, I saw it on my Facebook feed. Um, somebody had gone to a 1K with Blissey, and they had played the Tornadus in the deck, and I was trying to come up with ways to deal with Ice Q. Uh, which was a little bit more popular of a tech at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also Obstagoon and Flying Pikachu, uh, it kind of in the same stroke. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, so I, I saw that that person was playing Tornadus. Uh, they have messaged me since I don't have their name in front of me. I might be able to get it in front of me. <laughs> um, just because I wasn't able to credit them on stream very well. Uh, I believe their name was Ben Hosford. So. There we go. Um, well, shout out to Ben for that spicy. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, yeah. it really so, uh, made a difference in that in those streamed games that I saw. So yes, yeah. So I, I saw the tornadoes. I took it into the list that I was already playing. Uh, my list was pretty different from Ben's overall list, but that tornadoes tech I really liked um, because not only was it useful in those situations to get around Ice Cube where you might otherwise lose the game just immediately, um, but it also um, is very good in the mirror. It's very good against Miltank. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be able to um, force them, and then you can just play a boss and target down yeah. whenever you want to get the KO. It's honestly such oh. a solid, solid strategy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the in the mirror, it's actually really good as an attacker. <laughs> oh yeah, enough. yeah. Hundred damage, right? Yeah, yeah. Three colorless for a hundred, so you can two uh, two shot a Miltank even with a cape. Um, sound like some uh, GLC they... numbers right here. If they don't have a cape, then you can um, you can actually one-shot them as long as your powerful buffs outweigh the double-turbo negative uh, or, or if you just don't have a double-turbo negative uh, attached. True, true, true. Um, I, you seen on, I was playing on stream earlier this morning, and uh, you popped in, and you seen the weird matchup I had where the person was playing just stupid. You missed it. They were playing a complete just counter deck. They had Motres, uh, both Galarian Motreses, the V and, and the, the baby one. They had uh, Ice Q. They had Mill Tank. They had the the Drizzle engine. Um, what else was in that deck? Just oh, they had a Galarian Zapdos V. Just whatever, just just for everything. And it was so weird. I had to wait to Tornadus and use the scoop on net and boss around it, and it was such a weird matchup. And so that Tornadus definitely it made a difference. You're exactly right, Connor. So I, you know, shout out to uh, Ben. You said right who uh, had the original list and you took it and you you added a couple things to it, or you added it into your deck. I mean. But, um, yeah, yeah. I basically took it, and took the tornadoes, and put it into the existing list that I already had. Yeah, um, added it to your list, and yeah, shout out to Ben for that, and shout out to you for uh, that innovation, man. Um, what made you choose Blissey for Milwaukee anyway? What was that about? Um, so I felt like the so for starters, um, I was just trying out a wide range of decks. Um, so I, I tried a whole bunch of stuff. I it wasn't just start on Blissey and then stay on Blissey, and that's kind of my experience. Um, I was like, try out a bunch of different decks and see which ones I like the most. I was coming off of a couple events not doing great with Arceus and Teleon, and I kind of realized that I didn't really enjoy the way the deck played. Um, it, in best of three, 50 minutes especially, uh, it can be hard to close out three games because the deck plays pretty slow, kind of grindy. There are a lot of deck searches and a lot of uh, decision points in turns. So I knew I didn't want to play Arceus and Teleon, so I was shopping around for something else. Um, some friends of mine, Andrew Martin and Mike Gibbs, played Palkia at the full group, and they did well with that. Um, so I was looking at Palkia, um, but uh, just kind of testing the waters, seeing how the format was. And um, I eventually came up on Blissey, and I saw, I played, I guess, a late night um, where I played Jolteon. I played a bad list, didn't even realize it was a bad list until I had already submitted it. And I realized there was no Roxanne in it. And I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is not good. Um, but I, I did manage to uh, make day two with the bad Jolteon list. And uh, in that event, there was uh, Shintaro Ito playing a Blissey list that 
uh, was very different. It didn't play hammers. It played one mill tank. Um, it didn't have a lot of the, blo I call them bloat cards, the trekking shoes, poke gears, all those cards that don't really do anything on their own. They just get you to your other cards. Um, okay. So it didn't have any of those cards. Uh, so I, I took that list and I tried it out and I really liked it. Um, so I played a whole bunch of games that I think I played about 50 games in three or four days. Um, mm. And uh, and then uh, I had another friend who was playing it a little bit as well. Um, and I kind of talked with him about what we were feeling. And um, we made some cuts on Shintaro's list. We saw a couple of new lists come in that played different supporter lineups that I really liked. Um, the, the draw lineup in Shintaro's list was not quite what I was looking for. Like, you had a lot of uh, turns where you started Roxanne that doesn't really do anything until halfway through the game. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm actually uh, getting feedback on my end. Did I? Uh... Oh, I must have unmuted Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I had turns where I would open Roxanne and it, the hand didn't really go where I wanted it to go. And um, so I... Cut down that. I cut down Sharon's care to one. Um, brought in a couple of Zinnias Resolve, which I saw doing really well, and I liked what that did because the format plays with very large benches in general right now, so you get a lot of good value out of that. You can discard energy with it, um, and and just piece by piece, the list kind of started to go from where where it was and all of the inspiration that went into it as far as successful lists um, elsewhere uh, to where it ended up. And I, I do feel like where it ended up is just about as good as the deck can get within maybe like two cards. Um, I still don't like the hammer builds. I, I don't like Poke Gear. I don't like Tracking Shoes in the deck. Um, hammers are not good in, against enough of the format right now. In general, the format is really resilient to hammers, so you don't <laughs> usually get a ton of value out of that. Yeah. Um, the uh, the decks that are vulnerable to hammers are also vulnerable to Evil Tall, <laughs> so you can kind of get in there with Evil Tall in those situations like Mew. Um, and then uh, the the trekking shoes and the poke gear. I would rather just play. I would just rather not play shoes at all um, because I don't feel like they do enough for you in the deck. You you don't need to turbo. You just need to get a, a few cards. You want your your Blissey. You want your Greninja, um, and you want to start discarding energy. So um, trekking shoes can do that if you get lucky, <laughs> but. It uh, it doesn't really help you get there, so I'd rather play more basic search. I think the deck does play a pretty high count of basic search at seven, um, which I actually credit a lot for my performance over the weekend. I've seen a lot of people since cutting the basic search down. I, I think that's okay. I think it's a potential um, avenue you could explore to get another space. Definitely wouldn't go any lower than six, but uh, the seven basic search definitely kept the deck super consistent. I only had one dead draw game the entire event, um, so uh, that also came together really nicely um but yeah with with poke gear i just rather play more supporters because you really can use almost all of them in a game yeah yeah it, it does feel like sometimes with poke gear you're just like just doing it to thin out your deck most of the time and like it's just like a wasted space oh uh, i hate when you whiff when you whiff the poke gear yeah oh then, you, then you don't have anything and you could have just had a supporter instead of the poke gear too mm -hmm. i could see cutting down the rocks in that makes sense but the sharon's care you went from two to one yeah, yeah. So the the Shintaro's list originally had two. I played it with two for a long time, but a lot of the time, what ends up happening is, um, it it resets your tempo too much because a lot of the situations where I would end up, um, you know, a lot of the situations in Blissey, uh, you you are not just infinitely protecting this one gigantic Blissey. Um, a lot of the time, you will uh, take a big knockout and acknowledge that you're going to get knocked out in return, but in the process, you've you've probably taken two knockouts so you have or, or either that or you traded even for something that required your opponent to dedicate more resources to it especially with things like lucky energy yeah um oh, yeah. with blissey mm -hmm. with blissey having 300 hp and you having a couple of lucky energy attached i mean you, you really have dedicated nothing to this thing and uh and you've drawn a bunch of cards and your opponent has spent a ton of resources and um you've either traded even or gone positive and in the cases where your opponent can't deal with a gigantic pussy of course you, you can just run over them with the game but uh with sharon's care i was struggling to find situations where the loss in tempo was worth it because you you remove a lot of energy from your board in those cases um and uh it's really useful when you need it 
for sure, especially if your opponent goes for boss plays or whatever, you can just rewind their entire turn, and they've lost a boss. But uh, on the whole, I preferred other healing options more. I preferred the Hyper Potions, the Yell Towels. Uh, Switch card's not a great healing card, but it, it does do some stuff sometimes. Um, but uh, the uh, the one Charon's Care I really like. Um, I could see going back up to two. There were situations where I wished I had it and I didn't. Um, but I just they they weren't frequent enough to really motivate me to go back up to the second. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get it. So leading into uh, NAIC, are you considering this deck a second time, or are you? Uh, and you don't have to leak it if you don't want to. Are you considering something completely different? Uh, hard to say. Uh, my my testing group is looking at a lot of stuff. Unfortunately, I have not really been able to test on my own at all because I've been on vacation. You know, unfortunately, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been on vacation, so I've basically been keeping up with their developments, and um, it's it's definitely a consideration. Just because, um, for I would say for the first time ever, uh, I I actually felt good, like physically, I, I felt good after seventeen rounds of play. Um, which um, I'm sure uh, you guys have played in even day one before nine rounds. By the end of day one, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel awful. Like, it, this, yeah, this it, it depends. <laughs> like, uh, I remember playing, like, just this was 2018. I just said, screw it this year. And I, I played uh, when they redid the uh, Ludicolo Macargo deck. I played that at Philly. And I had, all, I had, I played all nine rounds. I did terrible, but I had an absolute fun time and I felt really good about it. And then if I play something like Arceus worth Inteleon or whatever, I'm like, uh... Yeah, absolutely. So you definitely gotta play something you, you like and something you have fun with, right? If you're gonna play that long. Yeah, and it also, um, the, it, it plays really fast games. I mean, there are not a ton of decision points in any given turn. Um, you know, when you play an Inteleon deck, you, you might have a game with fewer turns, but each turn is significantly longer. Let's see, it's interesting because it plays a lot of turns, but the turns are pretty short. So... I uh, I never actually, or I, the first time I went to time in the entire event, uh, because my one tie, wa or my two ties were both IDs, um, mm -hmm. the uh, the one time I went to time in the entire event was in top four. Um, so that, that was like a tremendous benefit to just play a deck that was one very consistent, because Blissey, like I said, you need so few cards for the deck to do what it wants to do. Uh, you have so many ways to get there. So super crazy consistent deck. Um, and then, uh, so super consistent, not a lot of decision points, doesn't play a lot of games. Uh, it, it is a tricky deck to play for sure. I think a lot of people have maybe assumed that it is um, very straightforward or very easy to play or it doesn't require no. a lot of thought. But <laughs> no, the games I played on, I played one on stream this morning and I played a few last night. And um. There's there's some decision you have to make. It's not as much like you say with uh, as far as you know digging to the deck every turn with Inteleon or with uh, Drizzile, but um, you know you see me earlier. I was like, do I cape this right now? Should I retreat? Should I attack? It's it's some thinking behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And and the deck is all about forcing your opponent to use as many resources as possible uh, while they deal with your increasingly large threats. Uh, so making a, a bad decision in terms of allowing your opponent to take easier prizes or not putting yourself in the most uh, aggressively powerful position you can. Um, you can you can really offset the rhythm of your game, and uh, it doesn't make many uh, many mistakes like that to make the deck feel significantly worse just because, you know, you do have so few decision points in a, in a turn. Um, if you get one of four, let's say, wrong, then suddenly the deck starts to feel a lot worse. That's why I was surprised when you said uh, you only went to time once. It seems... Just based off your HP alone and just the fact you have to ramp up your attack, you know, little by little, it seems like it would, you know, it would take a while, but your turns weren't long, huh? There's right. There's yeah. a lot of turns, just not long turns. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So the average Inteleon turns one through three take probably the amount of time that Blissey's first 10 turns take. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and, and Mew as well, uh, both, both sets are. Uh, yeah, there's just that. so much, so much sequencing and searching that like you really just right. have to like take so much time to do it. Yeah, and and one other thing too that's kind of overlooked is um, with Blissey, at least the way that my list is built, um, you have so few cards you actually need to check in your prizes because you play fake counts of everything and nothing is really critical to your ability to play the game aside from you know a handful of cards. So you 
you can check all your prizes in like a minute, the, the ones that you care about. Um, whereas with Inteleon, I mean, you spend that, you spend the full like two minutes of that first search just going through and checking prizes. Checking oh, yeah, prizes, there are just prizes. so many one ofs and like all those one of supporters. And yeah, <laughs> then if you're missing one, that changes your whole line of process, your whole thought process. You have to figure out your new line of play. And man, I know about all this because I, I don't play a lot of Inteleon, but I play, uh, I've been playing a lot of Reggie. I'm a Reggie main now. And the sequencing of okay, when to draw this card, okay, when do I use Dragon Sword, and just those turns take a while too. So I can only imagine. And you know, when I play a Mew matchup, we're just we're playing solitaire back and forth. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a game for five minutes, and they play the game for five minutes. So I can only imagine. Um, yeah, this this I played the deck, and there's some thinking behind it on certain points, but for the most part, my turns lasted not long at all. It's, it's quick turns. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So all of that is to say. Um... I'm definitely considering Blissey uh, okay. for NAIC, just because it has a lot of advantages, especially over such a long event. You know, maybe maybe at a cup, I wouldn't really be considering it because the meta is definitely more attuned to it. Um, people are more aware of it. You're going to be more likely to find a deck that are prepared for you. Um, but just the, the value of playing a deck that is super consistent, that you know that you can play very well, that plays very fast game. There are a lot of these advantages that people don't really think about, especially if they're coming from online events uh, and into the, the IRL setting. These advantages that end up being absolutely massive over the course of a long day. Um, so I, I do like it still. I, I think it could be a good play if you're very comfortable with it. Okay. Um, I think the people who are picking it up between Milwaukee and NAIC have a very tall task ahead of them because there are a lot of there are a lot of there's a lot of math. There are a lot of nuances. There are a lot of strange decisions that you need to become comfortable with very quickly. Um, I know a friend of mine. A friend of mine, uh, Andrew Martin, he is regional champion. I talked about him a little bit earlier, I think, but uh, he's regional champion, really excellent player. Um, he picked it up. He actually ended up playing the same 60 as me at Milwaukee. Didn't do very well. Um, but he said, uh, he said watching the stream games uh, over the weekend, and this was, you know, he had, he had played double-digit games, probably, probably 30-plus games, I had to imagine, uh, with the deck uh, before Milwaukee. He said some of the stream games I was like making lines of play that he he hadn't even considered. So like the the number of strange things that you have to learn and and the way that you have to prioritize your prizes and where you put your damage and all of that, um, it it can make the deck much more difficult to learn than it originally seems. Uh, so for people looking to pick it up uh, in a couple of days, I hope you have a lot of time to spend with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because oh playing, yeah, playing games with it. Uh, those games in. Yeah, playing games, some decks, I, I think that playing games is actually not always the best way to learn them. Um, really thinking through matchups and that kind of thing can be very helpful. Um, but or, or watching people who are very good with it. But with Blissey, I feel like playing games is absolutely the best way you can uh, go about becoming better with it. Okay. So how do you think the, the meta for this weekend is going to adapt from the results of Milwaukee? Especially seeing you getting second place with this deck. Uh, do you think a lot of people are going to attempt to find ways to play around it and expect it more in the general metagame? Uh, the short answer is yes. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely think the meta will be more prepared for it. Um, the question becomes, how much more prepared will the meta be for it? Um, how much more will people respect it? You know, At the end of the day, there were only three Blissies in day two. Um, so it's not as though it's an omnipresent deck that you're going to run into for sure. Um, you kind of have to reassess what you think your meta composition is looking like. I've seen a lot of people online who uh, are taking the results from the weekend and they're, they're still not dealing with Blissey. And I actually think that's a fine way to go about preparing for the next event. Um, it's just playing a deck that has a game plan against it or can beat it. Um, and uh, and just being okay with that. So like Arceus and Teleon, I think has a generally pretty poor Blissey matchup if the uh, Blissey player is proficient at the matchup. Uh, but against a less experienced Blissey player, or if the Blissey player doesn't draw very well, or things like that, uh, you can absolutely steal that win. So uh, I think there's there's a lot of merit to that. Um, in I have seen uh, I've looked at lists from online events, and I have seen techs coming out more often um, from decks that maybe previously didn't tech for it. 
but um, I have also seen Blissey continue to succeed in those online events. So I, I don't think the couple of cards will uh, completely swing the matchup in, in almost any case. You'll certainly gain some percentage points, absolutely. But uh, especially as the, the Blissey player improves in quality, the likelihood that um, that a single tech or two is going to win the matchup for you uh, becomes lower. Okay, I get it. Um, it makes uh, a lot of sense to see that, like, yeah, it's like it. There wasn't a lot of it, so people won't give it as much respect as it technically could get. But yeah, if it was something like Palkia, where everyone's like just trying to splash in a Raikou or a Zero Aura for whatever reason, because of oh, how popular God. it is, then I, then I can get it there for sure. Playing cards to get around this matchup would definitely like overall decrease your consistency of your deck. So yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to be worried about the Blissey matchup. Um, that was my call, though. Like I told you earlier, you know, Raikou and just splashing went in, boom. Take care of Palkia. Palkia's everywhere. But um, not a lot of people, you know, are, are seeing, you know, seeing Blissey on the uh, on the uptick like this. Or Duraludon, for that matter. It's a, it was a beautiful finals matchup in the, back there in Milwaukee. It was, it was something different than uh, what we saw the weekend before that. When it was yeah, just that was honestly, like, one of the best finals matches I've seen in Pokemon in a long time, honestly. Um, I mean, compared to what Vancouver, where it was just like, uh, oh, cool, nothing happened. This game was over in five minutes. Yeah, I think uh, I think this season has kind of been played, or this the second half, I guess, of the season has been uh, kind of plagued with uh, bad finals matches for sure. So glad to uh, glad to have upset that trend at least. Um, but yeah, as as far as metagame goes. Um, People, people will be more prepared for Blissey, for sure. Uh, whether that preparation actually goes the distance uh, has yet to be seen. But, uh, but to your point, um, you know, you saw it in Raikou, you saw it in Zero or whatever for Palkia, or against Mew, you know, you saw it in this dark package. Mew, Mew had the added um, detriment that the dark Pokemon also just happened to be some of the best attackers in the format. So, um, you know, decks are pretty happy to play the dark Pokemon just in general because they could use them against everything. But um, with Blissey, the the typical fighting counters um, are not very good. So Zapdos no. V not very good against Blissey. Um, <laughs> you, it, it doesn't get around. Or it doesn't get around Miltank. Um, with Dunsparce in play, it doesn't one-shot a Blissey. With Path in play, it basically can't attack. Like, there are just so many. And, and Blissey plays 1v in play, so um, you basically have to go, like, Raihan attach double turbo. And some decks, or a lot of decks that play Zapdos aren't even going to play double turbo. And it's like, um, so many so many walls uh, between there. I have seen Medicham V with a Rapid Strike Energy and Glasses in some decks. Um which at first was really threatening to me, and then I realized you could just cry of destruction and remove the, the rapid strike energy, and, and then they could never do it again. <laughs> that was just it. Uh, but they'll, so, they'll, they'll score that one big knockout, and then after that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah, not much follow-up. Right, I have uh, 600 more HP of attackers for you to get through, so uh, good luck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the uh, it's not as easy to counter. Uh, you know, the, the cards that kind of work toward countering it are, are one-offs or they're only good in some situations so you know like the canceling cologne is one that we see a lot um they uh they're good but they're not absolute yeah you have to have it at the right moment in time some people yeah. might have to throw it away with the research and then then it's gone forever and you're never gonna get it back there's no way to recur those resources like that either it's just the one of so yeah it's a one-off one so it's gone how consistent is it really to have those options at all Especially when it doesn't matter in every single matchup that you're going to face throughout the course of a nine-round mm -hmm. tournament at the bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the counters are not very useful against other decks, uh, which is, is a detriment as well. Um, and uh, and even even cards like Canceling Cologne, you know, when they go off perfectly exactly how you want them, the game isn't over. Like, yeah. you, you've just gotten through this one hurdle in the matchup. So um, I do feel in, in some part the deck is resilient to counters. Um, we'll definitely have to see after NAIC. You know, I'm not going to come out here and say, oh, the deck is uncounterable. Yeah. That's just not, not true. But um, the uh, I think I think Palkia is much worse in that regard as far as being uncounterable because most of Palkia's counters are 
not very good. Yeah, you're just uh, trading like but, two progress for one. Like the Zero right. Aura is cool, but you also have to have a Choice Belt or a Leon or something to make it work. Yeah. And yeah. It, just, it just feels inconsistent. Yes, that does. I've seen it before, and I'm like, why do you have that? I've seen Mew try to tech for Dark Types with a, a Selgor. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my. cool if you're into the Dark matchup, but when you don't, it's just there now. So. And even, even then, not every Dark Pokemon is weak to Grass. Some of them are weak to Fighting, True. so it depends on what they're playing. True. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I just, I think what you've done, Connor playing Bliss and getting it this far, you know, even you said there was three in a day two. I'm yeah. still not entirely sure that the meta is going to call for Blissey counters. So, I can kind of see you taking it, you know, running it back with Blissey, you know, doing okay this time. People will be, you know, a little leery at that Tornadus now. They're kind of, you know, on, on lookout for that. I can still see you doing okay with it. Um, your decision to put the whole list on your Twitter, though, that's, that was kind of a bold decision there. Yeah, so um, with uh, with top eight lists, usually, I think they still do this. I think uh, like Pokemon releases them or, or um, Arcanine releases them or something. Like with, with top eight lists, there's an inevitability, um, some inevitability factor. Um, I didn't know if uh, if it would come out before NAIC, but I figured I know it will come out at some point here. So. Let's uh, take advantage, you know, strike while the iron is yeah, hot. Let's get, get that, this out there so people can see it. Get that Twitter um, cloud, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Get the get the. I think you uh, your picture that has over a thousand uh, likes. So yeah, yeah. yeah that was I get it. When, <laughs> I get it. When now. I made uh, when I made the tweet, I don't even know if I had two hundred followers. I don't tweet very often, so um, so yeah. For for that to blow up and get over a thousand is really nuts. Uh, but yeah, so that was the reason why I posted it uh, with top eight lists. There's like some inevitability that the lists will eventually uh, become yeah. public, and Arcanine True. has become faster and faster about turning that kind of thing around. So uh, I didn't know exactly when it would uh, come around, and um, the, I mean, everyone saw the tornadoes like on stream, and anyone anyone who wanted to see the tornadoes or anybody who's engaged in the community and saw the memes or whatever like knows that the tornadoes <laughs> is there. Um, I think. Interestingly, the the effect of the tornadoes has been less. Um, oh, you know, people are ready for it now, and more. Oh, this deck can't deal with Blissey anymore um, because I saw. Um, I've seen actually quite a few people now um, that were teching for Blissey with Flying Pikachu, with Ice Cube, that kind of thing. Those decks have really been on the downturn. I've noticed, uh, at least in in the events that I've seen, um, and on Twitter and and all that. Um, because the, the counter just doesn't work the way people want it to anymore. So as as opposed to, oh, you know, now we're ready for Tornadus and we can counter this deck still, it's, oh, this counter doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> and, and they just uh, move away from it. Yeah, and then you have more spots for consistency cards just to play a better game overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do think Tornadus is still worth it. Like, if I play it, if I play the deck this weekend, I'll definitely still play Tornadus. Okay. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, the the effect has. I was I was initially worried that you know the effect would be that people um, prepare for it, and then I thought more about um, that being a difficult thing to do, um, and uh, and the meta. The, what I've seen at least has kind of responded to that in not really trying to prepare for the tornadoes. So in, in terms of preparation in general, if you can give any statements to the audience, uh, whether they're experienced or not, how do you normally prepare for a tournament and any any tips or advice you can give to people leading into NAIC, especially if it might be their first event ever? What do you, uh, what yeah, do you have absolutely. to say for them? Um, so, so I'll do tournament prep in general and then NAIC. Um, tournament prep in general, uh, I like to play a ton of games. I, I really like to... Um, play a ton of games with different decks, really get a feeling for what I like, what lists I like. Um, I <laughs> So I guess as a, as a point of dissent, because I think that the public discourse surrounding online events has largely been, they're irrelevant. I think um, especially Milwaukee has kind of been a stark contrast to that, where the online events prior to that had a lot of value in informing you about the potential metagame going into Milwaukee. So um, I really like looking at the results of online events, especially large ones. Like I don't look at, you know, like the 30 people, 30 person events or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, um, weekly pizza tournament, 1733 <laughs> or whatever. Anything, anything that breaks like 60, uh, I'll take a look at. And uh, especially like the ones that have multiple hundreds. 
Um, mm-hmm. So like the the late night that happened after uh, the most recent Australian regionals was like two or three times the size. Or, or there was a late night that happened maybe before Australian, the, the larger Australian regionals recently, I think it was Melbourne. Um, that was like two or three times the size of the most recent Australian regional. And obviously, you don't have the player quality in that online event that you might at that Australian regional. Like the Australian community is very good overall. Um, but that's not to say it's not to say it's an irrelevant event. You know, these decks still had to persevere through a very long event. In the top eight of that event, there was like Gustavo Wada, Shintaro Ito, like world champions. And yeah. um, so to say, I think to say that those events are completely irrelevant, even if those players aren't necessarily playing the decks that they are planning to play for a major event, there's value to see how they do because you know those players aren't going into the event like oh yeah let's lose to throw people off like they even even if they're playing a deck that they um don't plan to play for an event uh, it can give you a a lot of information about that deck and about how it might play um so yeah i I like to look at online events especially at the lists that are successful um you know ultimately if by looking at the lists that are successful you are tapping into hundreds and hundreds of people worth of knowledge as opposed to all the information you can gather yourself in that time so, uh, you know, you can you can look at an online list and say, I don't like any of this, and then just move on. And, and that's, you know, you haven't lost anything. You spent a couple of minutes looking at what did well. But in the event, you see a deck that you really like. You know, in my case, I saw that Shintaro's Blissey list that I used as a, a starting point for the list that I ended up playing in Milwaukee. Um, that completely changed my event. Like, I, I probably wouldn't have even played the deck if I hadn't seen that list. So uh, there's a lot of value in that. So learning, <laughs> being being informed, that's very good. So if you didn't run into Shitaro's list, like you said, you know, you made a few choice, you know, field changes and stuff like that. If there was no Shitaro, there was no Blissey, what would you have played? Hard to say. Probably an Arceus Bubero list. I really like the way that that deck plays. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun. I think that there's a lot of versatility in the core. I like the Jolteon engine, the the shutting down Inteleon. I think that's really good. Um, and no, you said would... recently you, you said you didn't do well with Ar- Arceus and Teleon, so you're just gonna switch over to Bibarel? Yeah, well honestly I was that. testing I was testing Bibarel more than Inteleon, especially before that second regional. Um I just uh it, you know, Bibarel this was an instance of me not having a ton of confidence in myself, especially after not having done well coming back into the competitive scene. Um Bibarel was testing super well for me. Um, however, it wasn't putting up super good tournament results. So I was thinking, oh, you know, like maybe there is really merit to this not being amazing. Maybe my testing results are skewed. Um, and, and so I ended up going back to the Inteleon list. Um, but I think I sh- in retrospect, I absolutely should have played the B-Barrel. And, and uh, the next couple of regionals after that, the B-Barrel version was, was just tearing it up. It was doing super well. So, um, yeah, so... Um, I would say uh, that kind of leads into another thing. It is important to both trust and have a a healthy level of skepticism for your own results. Um, So trust your own results. You know, if you you play a deck, you feel really good about all your matchups, trust that. Um, But at the same time, you know, if you play a deck, um, your local community is maybe not the best and you only play it at locals and you do really well at locals, you know, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt You say like, you know, maybe my, my local 13 year old Palkia player is not quite as good as the Tord Reklev. <laughs> little Timmy can't, um, little Timmy can't hang. <laughs> um, and that's uh, not, not to discredit anyone, um, you know, based on their local community or our age or anything like that. But that's kind of the, the example that you'll see is um, people going to, a local doing really well at their locals and thinking that they're they're on top of the world. They're uh, they have the deck, and then in actuality, um, that might not be the case. So, um, but I think it's both important to trust yourself and um, have a healthy level of skepticism about your own results and and kind of factor that all in. Um, so, two things I'm taking from this is uh this past uh this past Friday I, I almost got bodied by an eight year old. And he's playing some Darkrai. So I, I respect the eight-year-old more than I respect, respect Darkrai, Steuben. I'm sorry. I just don't respect it. But I respect the eight-year-old a lot more. But um, yeah, I had to get a top deck, and I barely beat him. So I, I understand that part. Because um, not every not every eight-year-old you know you run into in your local is going to be as good as the kid I played. The kid to the top eight at uh, Utah in Salt Lake. So, oh, very nice. Wow. 
Yeah, so you're not going to run into the eight-year-olds that good, you know, that type, type of caliber all the time. So you're right. And also what I'm hearing from this is I should not play my Lilligant deck at any regionals. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, if if you're if you are really confident in your Lilligant deck, if you tested thoroughly in your testing group and even online events, I think a large online event can be a good testing stage. And your Lilligan deck is just tearing it up, then do it. Because Let's go. They're, just because a deck seems weird, um, all, a, a tremendous percentage of my tournament success has come from playing decks that um, weren't necessarily like super strange, but weren't necessarily things that uh, people were respecting or people were considering. Um, just because you have a deck that is a little bit out there um, does not mean that it is bad. Uh, it just means you have to put in more time with it, and you have to be even more diligent with your preparation. Oh, I know about that. I used to play a lot of uh, Ingar Mimikyu. I talk about this every week. I, I knew that deck left, right, up, down, backwards, forwards. So I knew all my matchups. I knew my outs, what to do. It wasn't the best deck, but I knew it so well that I made it look pretty decent. I missed those times. I honestly thought you were getting ready to like, do the Konami code there for a second. <laughs> Back, back, left, up, down, up, right. <laughs> oh my God. But no, um, stupid man, I gotta go to work pretty soon. All right, so, this is one of those early uh, podcasts. So, yes. are we doing some uh, some questions from the from the? Yes, but before we get into we it, we've had emergency announcement news drop, and I just want to say every week we've talked about rotation and rotation and win and who who's right. We now we'll f we'll actually find out who's been right the entire time. Uh, it was just announced on Pokemon.com uh, while we were recording this live that. Rotation is happening in early 2023 to D on. Oh, that's a huge announcement. Okay. Uh, so, who was right, Gazer? Sue, when you called it, but remember, like a month ago, I said Duraludon was going to be pretty good. Remember that? Yeah, well, I mean, I've, so, been, say, I've been saying I think rotation we're pretty even. For, for a while. So, yeah, they, they came out and said, for the last few years, the standard format has rotation uh, usually in August or September. However, the next one will not occur until early 2023. That means that cards with the D regulation mark can be used at the 2022 World Championships. The new expansion for legal for play for this event will also be the Pokemon Go expansion. The exact date for the next rotation will be announced later. Uh, so it'll be D will be removed from the blocks. will be going E onwards. And yeah, then also, also for e, Worlds, but... they've uh, made it so Special Delivery Pikachu and Bidoof aren't legal for play. Lance's Charizard V, uh, Dark Sylveon V, Pikachu on the ball, Eevee on the ball, Grookey on the ball, Scorbunny on the ball, and Sobble on the ball aren't legal for Worlds either. So I can't... Oh, man. Yeah, you can't play all the on-the-ball Pokemon that you don't even have anyways, because they're European-exclusive promo cards. But uh, rotation not being until 2023, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for it. Uh, we've had a lot of new players locally that have been buying into the game, and honestly, I'd feel crushed for them if they just had to lose half their stuff they've bought. Yeah, you said why they release um, V decks, V battle decks with uh, cars from Sword and Shield in it with the yeah. old Drizzle engine in it. Mm -hmm. You called it, and I said, you know, I said, hey, they did something you know, similar with the. Uh, when they had the Arceus, not Arceus, the uh, ADP Zacian deck, you know, a lot of those cards rotated out, and they released it anyway. I said, so it's kind of in the same vein, but you called it, too. Yeah. I called Duraludon, but you called this. You're right. Connor, um, any thoughts on the rotation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Wanda, I'm actually really happy about the news. Um, I have been joking with uh, friends of mine that, um, you know, the format right now has been ama is amazing. Honestly, I think this whole year worth of formats has been pretty amazing. Fusion Strike was a little bit of a dark time, but, you know. Um, then, uh, but after rotation, it was going to be terrible. Like, we, we were going to lose so much of our good search. Uh, we were going to lose so much consistency out of the format. A couple of the top decks were going to remain almost entirely untouched, like Mew. Um, so, uh, so we were saying, you know, it's really good right now, and we're, everyone's having a really good time. But uh, after after rotation, it's going to be rough. Uh, so for them to essentially give that buffer between now and the, uh, the beginning of 2023 to um, print more cards and um, increase the longevity, I think this also aligns us with Japan's rotation schedule, not yes. necessarily um, with exactly what sets we have legal, but with the, the timing of that rotation. Yeah, the timing will um, be very similar. We'll just be behind by a half set or a whole set, depending on how their releases line up, or if that changes with us for Sword and... Uh, I'm sorry, Scarlet and Violet in the future. Uh, there's still no yeah. announcement for that. Uh, we, we really don't even know much about Lost Origin yet. Uh, half of those cards aren't even out in Japan yet. Uh, and that got pushed back until the end of August. 
to mm-hmm. early uh, September for release for that. So that's a little bit different too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think this is great news. I'm I'm really happy to hear it. I know some people are a little bit tired of the Intellion engine. I'm a little bit tired of it, but I also would rather Dex be consistent and there be a lot of variety in the format as opposed to um, a couple of decks essentially escaping the rotation unscathed. Yeah. And um, then yeah. I think the rotation hit. Uh, it's going to be a lot yeah. of Mews, a lot more Mews, because uh, Mew doesn't Absolutely. lose much from rotation. So we see it would have been... Just like that, uh, that weird format, not weird, that bad format that's so oppressive where it's just Mew everywhere, just Mew. Right before Brilliant Stars, it would have been a lot more of that, I think. So. Yeah, just like how Japan, uh, right before, like, or they, the way they had that Vikavolt deck that we never got to play, uh, that was tearing it up in their format, and we never had it because it wasn't legal because of the way the rotation broke down. So mm-hmm. we lost the uh, the charge above that went that went with it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely cool to see. Uh, that will be closer and closer to parity someday. Maybe we can get there. Who knows? Uh, but I like, mean, we'll yeah. always be a, a couple sets behind, won't we? Yeah, uh, one and a half to two on <clears throat> average seems to be the going right now. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right, you ready for some Q and A from the chat? Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, right. Some of these get wild. Some of these get weird. Uh, take them with a grain of salt. All right. Uh, we kind of covered uh, Peter's question a little bit, so thanks, Peter, for the link uh, and keeping us up to Thank date. Thank you, Peter. Um, MWCDC wants to know, where do you stand with sandals and socks? Um, I don't really wear sandals at all. Uh, so I, but I, I think uh, people should be more accepting of alternative fashion choices. There we go. All right, here's a more serious question. This one's from Little Frizz. Top three strongest decks for NAIC. Uh, top three strongest. So I think Palkia actually emerges in an incredible spot from mm-hmm. uh, from Milwaukee um, because there were some. There was a lot of variety in the top lists um, from that event. So um, there are a lot of directions that it can go. It clearly has an incredible potential. So that deck looks really strong. Um, Arceus variants look very strong as well. I think much stronger than people originally thought headed into Milwaukee. Um, of course, Arceus Duraladon taking the title. I think that deck is very good. Um, it is quite difficult to counter for sure. Um, there, there are not a lot of cards that you can just kind of slot into your deck and say, okay, I win the Duraladon matchup now. Um, so I think that deck has a lot of resilience, but also Arceus and Teleon, um, and, and uh, we might see a resurgence in some of the B-Barrel variants. Uh, we saw the Arceus Charizard deck on stream. Um, so I think there's a lot of life with Arceus. Um, and um, I, the, the third one is, is a big question mark for me. You know, I'd like to say Blissey. I, I do like it personally, but I don't necessarily, I would recommend, I think I would recommend it to most people who wanted to pick it up. Um, I don't think that it will do exceptionally well on the larger scale because I think some of those counter matchups are going to be tricky to navigate. Um, I think Mew is in a really interesting spot because the format isn't really looking at it to the same degree, but the format wasn't really trying to counter Mew in Milwaukee either, and it still didn't do that well. I mean, so there's Mew that have... finished in the top four, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there, there was one. Um, oh, yeah, but, there was, oh, yeah. Uh, there, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, like if... if uh, if a tier one meta deck goes into an event essentially uncountered and it comes out um, not doing very well, it, it kind of makes you question, is this deck quite as good in the current format as we originally mm-hmm. thought, or as, as the previous uh, assumption has been, which I do think Mew is still very strong, um, but I think Mew is kind of hit as collateral damage by some of the developments in the format. Um, the you know Mewless will have to adapt to be able to have a better matchup against Duraladon. Um, Roxanne has been, especially in combination with Path, has been a pretty big blow to Mew's ability to close out games. Um, the the Palkia matchup is even to slightly Palkia favored with current builds, um, and uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if Mew is gonna have an event where it just like totally breaks out and does insane again, it's going to be NAIC because people are not looking at it in the same way that they have been, even less so than Milwaukee. Um, and, uh, you know, it still, it still has all the pieces that it had before. It's just the question of, 
is the reason why Mew didn't do as well at Milwaukee because it did still run into some of those counters because the meta was a little bit more hostile and the meta will be more favorable going forward? Or is it because the decks that are good now just happen to be much better into Mew? I think that's the big question. So write that down. You guys heard it here first. Connor says if Mew's going to break through sometime soon, it's probably this weekend. Also, if you guys didn't see that, Subin's holding a small Darkrai figurine. I think he, he he's trying to tell you he cries in the dark about his deck choice or something like no, that. No, no. I, I mean, honestly, my deck was fine. Uh, I I lost in game three uh, on my winning end. Uh, that's if that doesn't say that Darkrai has a chance, then uh, I don't know what uh, what does. Uh, like Darkrai. Uh, sorry, I'm up. I was up at six a.m. and Darkrai. Uh, my bad, Sue. Next <laughs> question, right. though. This um, is a, this yeah, is you from our guy Bell. Oh, okay, all right, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. why does Subin play bad decks in majors? So it's not necessarily that they're bad decks, all right. It's that I don't like to play the deck that has the biggest target on its back, uh, simply because it just feels better for me to not have to worry about always having something countering me every round. Like if I played Mew. You have to worry about like, all right, what am I gonna hit next round? Okay, the cool. They have they have the dark package. They have this. They have they have the counter. They have yeah, uh, Roxanne Path to shut me down. And like, I like to play decks that don't have to lose the same general counters compared to most players. Uh, if people have a massive target on Palkia's back, I don't want to play Palkia just because I know it's got a target on its back. And normally I'm comfortable with whatever I'm playing with. Like at Indie, I played Rapid Strike and Tally on Vmax, and I had a fun time. Uh, I went four two three. I just had too many draws. Uh, wasn't a losing record by any means, so not a bad I deck. Inteleon. I respect. I respect Rapid Strike Inteleon. It's that dark cry. All right, Gazer. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right, this is a dual question, I guess. This is a this is a weird one. So uh, hopefully, oh, combo question. Hopefully, we don't uh, offend uh, the person that's in question here. Passman Toot wants to know, did you meet Trainer Chip? And what did he smell like? And then MWDC asks, who smells better, Doritos or Trainer Chip? Uh, so <laughs> I did meet Trainer Chip. I've met Chip in the past as well. Um, I, I don't know. I really like him. He's a super nice guy. He's really good at what he does. Agreed. Uh, agreed. I have never noticed any particular smell coming off of him, so I'm going like to say... Fritos or Lay's, nothing like that? I, I'm going to say he probably smells good. Uh, just just given my experiences with him in the past, can't say I've ever you know noticed... I, I assume he has like a cologne Dorito or something on. Like, yeah. He, what, that'd uh, be hilarious Chip. to have like a Dorito uh, cologne. <laughs> no, but, but Chip is a super nice guy, uh, and he does not smell like Doritos. So. so listeners out there, you heard it here first. Um, Trainer Chip is not an actual Chip. He does not smell of uh, of any type of uh, chip flavoring or anything like that. He's a nice guy as well. You heard it here from Carmen Lavelle, runner-up at uh, Milwaukee Regional 2022. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we have no more other questions. There were ones that were a little bit more ridiculous. Uh, I guess the morning time. I love the ridiculous questions. Those are hilarious. The morning time really kind of like uh, brought everybody's uh, weirdness out. But, again, thanks for joining I, I us. Answer those questions. I would have been late for work. Those questions are worth it. Sometimes I, uh, <laughs> I could, I could probably field one more ridiculous question than I unfortunately have a call that I need to hop off for as well. But yeah, thank you for joining us on a short notice and uh, be willing to just come on. And we, we actually haven't done two, two, two pods in a week. So you, you uh, you've popped that uh, pod double cherry. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The pod cherry. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting weird now. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, but honestly, it was an honor to talk to you and pick your brain about the deck and general stuff uh, leading into the weekend. I hope you have a good time in uh, NAIC. I will be there. Uh, I'll come up and we'll chit chat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look forward to seeing uh, seeing you guys. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know. I'll be looking forward to the next episode. Right on. Yeah, Connor. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on and. Uh, Kind of said today earlier this week, and then actually coming through and uh, giving us a, a second uh, pod, man. Something uh, for the listeners to listen to. They can get a, you know, we had a chance to pick your brain, and that, that deck was so interesting. Everyone's everyone's interested about that deck, so uh, I'm happy you got to share with us, man. Pop our yeah, yeah, cherry, glad apparently. To... <laughs> glad to glad to hop on and be able to talk about it.
Yep. Uh, this will be. I'll be. Uh, I'll put this out as soon as possible later today for everybody's traveling uh, pleasure, listening, all that kind of nonsense. Uh, YouTube probably tomorrow. We'll have the video good to go. But uh, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Don't forget to leave us a review. If you leave a five star review, we love you forever. Uh, you said that. I didn't tell them to leave a five star review. I said if you oh, leave a oh, five star. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. If if if. Uh, but yeah, uh, that'll do it for this week's second episode of Gust of Wind. Uh, Gazer, take it Steven, away. go take a nap, man. Connor, take care of that phone call. Steven, get a nap. I gotta go to work. Oh, gosh. Well, good luck at work. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, yeah, that's it. It's Augusta Wins. It's a wrap. Second episode. Episode, what are we calling this? Point five? No, we'll just call it, we'll call it 13. Episode 13? Not 12.5? No? Okay. No, we'll, just, we'll just go, straight, go. To, straight to 13. Lucky number 13. Boy, lucky. <laughs> All right. Hey, we are out of here. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening and tuning in. Um, Connor, any last words? Any links you want to drop? Anything yeah, yeah. Like any that? shout outs you want to give? Uh, where, where can people yeah. find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, gonna go through a real quick shout out, of course, to Yeti Gaming, my local community, uh, one of the best Pokemon stores in the country. Um, hey. thank, uh, shout out to my testing group, the Ojama Testing Group. Uh, <laughs> they, they've been really great. Um, always there grinding games, even in this week between Milwaukee and NAIC. Um, Shout out to the Cube Discord. I actually run a Discord server for Pokemon Cube. I think we're the only one uh, that is strictly dedicated to Pokemon Cube. Uh, we run events all the time, so definitely hop in that. You can find the link on my Twitter. Um, uh, that's super fun. We're actually running an IRL Cube League Saturday of NAIC. Uh, we're going to try and time it after uh, Day 2 Swiss ends. So unfortunately, if you make top 8, uh, you will not be able to play. But I think you'll have uh, you know different priorities at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they won't mind. And, uh, and I, I think that's about it. Awesome sauce. Alright, let's get on out of here. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, everybody, please enjoy this extra episode of the Gusto One Podcast. And we'll see you guys uh, next week with normal stuff. Peace. Later. Appreciate you guys.